Hi, my name is Kevin Clark, and I am the lead and founding pastor of the Vineyard in Lexington. And I am here to celebrate with you, Richmond Vineyard, 10 years. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. We were getting a, a pretty good size, a pretty good amount of people that were coming from Richmond to Lexington uh, to come to church, and we were loving that. We had some EKU students and had families, and we were kind of being blown away at, at how many people were actually coming from you know, Madison County. And, and while we loved that, uh, we also knew that it was really going to be tough for them to you know, get involved into the, the life of our church beyond just the weekend experience. You know, they were coming from Richmond and we would say, hey, invite your friends, invite your friends. And they would always come back and say, our friends want to go to a church in Richmond. And so we're coming, but we can't really get our, we're not effective at getting our friends coming. So we said, okay, why don't we go to Richmond, do a worship night and see if we can't get your friends to come. And we did. And we rented this church facility and that night was amazing and the house was full. And after it was over, uh, the guy that everybody kept telling me I had to meet comes up to me and says, Hey, I'm Joe Wood. And I'm like, Hey, I'm Kevin Clark. And we all got together and started exploring the idea and uh, the possibilities of what God not only was doing in Richmond, but the idea of like, what if you guys were to lead this? And, you know, honestly, you know, picking Joe and uh, to be the pastor and Janice, uh, that was, that was easy. I remember the very first night at their house. Uh, we had a gathering of, of really what would be the core group that would, would start the church. You know, a shared vision and, and, and I shared who Joe and Janice were and what we were thinking about doing. And, and I said, so Joe and Janice are gonna plant a vineyard in Richmond and we would love for you guys to be a part of it. And I'll never forget how I felt that night. In that moment, like legitimately, all the chairs just turned and faced Joe and Janice. And, and Joe, as he does so well, just starts casting vision and the passion that was in his heart. And, and I think in that moment, I think in that moment, uh, Robin and I uh, could have just kind of scooted out the door and nobody would have missed us because in that moment I felt like, hey, this is now happening, this is real. Uh, these people have vision and this thing is going to take off. It's been fun. It's been exciting to know that we saw God doing something. We saw the Father doing something and we just said, yeah, we're, we're going to join you and we're just going to release you and these people that were leaders and givers and all of that to go do something brand new in Richmond. And our hearts are filled with joy. That's how we feel. Our hearts are filled with joy to see what has happened, what is happening, and what is going to happen over the next years to come. You know, I know your pastor and his wife. I know them well. And I can tell you this, their feet and their face and their heart are pointed toward Jesus, and they can with conviction say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Keep following them, keep following Jesus, keep saying yes to the opportunities that come your way. God opens doors, and when he opens doors, keep walking through those doors because God's not finished with the Richmond Vineyard, man. There is so much more in store. More, more, more. Always say yes to more. Amen, amen.
Amen. As often as you hear me say, as often as you hear me say that, uh, you know, I got approached by this guy from Lexington and, and he came and he talked to us and we visited and carried on. That's Kevin Clark. Affectionately, we call him Church Daddy. Okay, because he planted this church. So when we see him, it's like church daddy is in the house with us today or we are blessed with church daddy and we're there. Um, And so that's where we came from. Believe it or not, that is where we came from, and that's pretty much how it all unfolded. I want to share something with you tonight, and as much as I want to talk about 10 years and where we've been and what's going on, um, I'm not there. I I want to share something with you that is important to your life today, okay? I want to uh, share with you something that I believe that God has said, and and listen, ever since I came home from the hospital today, you know about our son, I'm not milking that, I'm just saying, you know, I came home from there and I'm like, Lord, I got the sermon done, what's going on? And the Holy Spirit has just been saying this, and this, and this, and you know how it is, if I got to just tip this thing over and start raw, I will right here, right now, but that's not what God is asking of me. Don't start clapping yet, okay? Uh, (laughs) That's not what God is asking of me. But he is saying some things that I want to share with you because, yes, the day before we launched our 10-year celebration, he hit the devil, hit my son in the front of his car, and attempted to kill him. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that the devil was trying to kill that young lady that hit him as well, okay? And then fast forward a couple of more hours, and my wife is in such a condition, and I don't need everybody to go spastic, stay with me the rest of the night, but she is up there tending to him right now. They have The doctors have performed different surgeries on him. They're saying, you know, it's going to be great. But she uh, also had to see a doctor yesterday and the doctor said, if things don't change, she will be in the hospital Monday. And then that's the way it's going to be. So the enemy is still coming after us. And I'm just going to tell you, I feel like that thing I saw on social media where somebody took a towel, wiped their brow and threw it down. And the Lord picked it back up, handed it back to you and said, did you hear what Kevin Canterbury said? Second wind. Don't back down. So yeah, I'm going to throw it down. But I'm going to throw it down and say, take your best shot because I'm going to keep preaching, I'm going to keep reaching, and I'm going to keep loving people in the name of Jesus. That is what our mission is here, and that is what I am not going to stop doing or leading into And I'm going to continue to see people's lives change because God is not done. And the number is one that he is looking for. One more. I don't care if we are the biggest church in Madison County ever. I care that we bring the kingdom down and we have the biggest impact in Madison County ever on behalf of the kingdom of God, on behalf of Jesus. And that's where we're going. Some of you are in here tonight. And you came in and you said, I need a word from the Lord. And so I'm going to share it with you because I was sitting in my office and big, giant, tall prayer people came into my office and said, we're going to pray for you. And when a prayer team comes in and says, we're going to pray for you, you just say, yes, sir. Okay? You don't say, no, I don't need some prayer. You say, yes, sir. And they gather around you and they start praying. And when they started praying, I heard the Lord say, anti-room. Anti-room. Not anti-room. Anti-room. And I wanted to let go of their hands, but one of them was crushing my left hand. I thought I was going to like preach like this and like be doing like this tonight, okay? Because you know how I am. I, I, I can't sit still, stand still, and do still. I can't do that. But I, I needed to write it down. As soon as they got out of my office, I went over and I wrote it down. Anti-room. You know what an anti-room is? An anti-room is the room before the room that you want to be in. 
And I want to tell you on behalf of the kingdom of God in the, in the person of the Holy Spirit, some of you are in here and you are in the ante room. You are in, before, you're in the room that is before the room that you want to be in. And I want to talk to you about that tonight because you're standing there. You, have you ever been there? You walk into a, 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 a clothing store. You open the doors. You walk in. They shut behind you just like right here at our church. And then you have to make a choice. You have a decision to make. Are you going to leave the ante room and go into the room? Are you going to go be where God is? Or are you going to stand in the ante room wondering why God is not doing things in your life that you would like for him to do? There comes a time when we are all standing on the outside of the church, right? Looking in, thinking, wow, do I want to be like them? And then there comes a time when we will at least come through the ante room because there's somebody there holding the door open for us. But then you walk through into the room. Now you take that and turn it into a metaphor for your life. Some of you are in an ante room before the room that you want to be in. You're not in. You're not in. You're not in the room. And you're like, I want to be in the room. But you're not out. You're not out of the room because you're in the ante room. There's doors on either side of you. There's glass on either side of you. You're looking both ways, but you're not in the room you want in. But you're not out. You're not out either. And I believe tonight the Lord is saying to you, it's time for you to, to, to push on that next door. It is time for you to stop fun and games and push on that door and walk into the room. What's the room? The room is a choice. Today, as the Lord has, has, has asked me to put a message together for this, and I've, as I have literally delighted myself in the Lord, and said, so, Lord, what is it that you long for? What do I share tonight? Um, you know, I gave away the first launch one. And that's going to be really super great I get for this weekend. I gave the premiere um, to, to, you know, to our, our fearless leader. He's going to have that tomorrow. And so I'm honestly, it's like, well, Lord, I got stuck with Saturday Night Leftovers. What's going on? You know, what's the deal here? And he goes, no, 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 you're there. You're right where I want you to be. And so right now in our celebration, we're not in the outside. Kevin brought us in. We're not in the final celebration that's going to launch us into our next 10 years. We're not there yet because we've got to finish our celebration. We're in the ante room. Okay? Phil is going to kick us right into the next room. He's going to come down here, and the Holy Spirit's going to move, and we're going to get kicked right into the next room, the next 10 years. Right now, I want to talk about the moment when you're in the ante room. And I want to take you to 2 Corinthians, and I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to say, come Holy Spirit, mess up our hearts. I want to say, come Holy Spirit, like I said 10 years ago, wreck our lives. And then put them back together in a manner that brings you glory, because you are God. And so I'm praying that prayer tonight. Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says, but even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on people's hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. But we all with, an un with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by 
the Spirit. And I'm looking at the Scripture, and it's kind of a weird spirit, uh, Scripture to use for 10 years, but this is what I want to say. We're being changed. You can't go with God and stay where you are. You can't be the person you were and walk away from Jesus and still be the person that you were. Because if you accept Jesus, you're going to be transformed. If you reject Jesus, you've just transformed yourself and hardened your heart. You will be changed. And so Paul is using the law and the Spirit, and he's challenging us to step further into the Holy Spirit who is God. Step further in what it means to chase after God. When the law, which represents a very formal relationship with God, is recounted, it puts a veil over our hearts and we don't always understand it. Well, what does this mean and how should we live here and what should we do? We don't understand 613 commandments that God has put this there other than hopelessness. Who can keep 600 and we can't keep a 70 mile an hour speed limit I confess and repent and ask your forgiveness for getting home from the hospital really 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 fast okay I'll repent from that but I, I needed to get here get a shower and get to the church but it's that law we can't keep the 70 mile an hour speed limit how are we gonna keep 613 commandments that are called the law of Moses the law of God or the law we do not know what it means to say to the law, then how am I going to live? But Paul says we live by the Spirit. You and I are challenged and called to live by the Spirit. We're not called to live in the ante room. We are called to live in the room. We are not called to stand on the outside. We are called to be invited to the inside. And that is where God is going to move us tonight. The law is a pamphlet. Can you imagine that for just a second? My wife and I shared this. We were off to Alaska, went to Skagway, had a good time. She had a, a, a map the size of Texas, and we were standing there doing like this. Well, are we on 1st Street? Are we on 3rd Street? Is, is this like Hezekiah Street? What street are we on? And so we were trying to figure, you can tell who the tourists are in, 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 uh, when you're out there, can't you? They're holding maps going, well, and then the, the husband's usually going, put the map down, put the map down, don't look like a tourist. Don't look like a tourist. I know I was. Like, put the map away, okay? North is that. Way the boat's that way, we're not going to get lost. Gagway's not that big. I know, but I want to go to the tea shop. I know we'll just wander around and find it and we'll just look like we're from here. We did not look like we were from Skagway, but that's the way it is with the law of God. You've got to walk through life going, Wow, can we do this? Because you can't be cool if you're carrying the law of God. But 613 commandments, how are you going to keep them? How are you going to own them? How are you going to get through life? You're like, hey, what do you want to eat? And somebody says, pork barbecue. And you take 613 commandments and you flip through them and you're like, pork barbecue, bar pork barbecue. Uh, law says, no, ding, and it flips over. No pork barbecue for you. 613 commandments says, no eating pigs. I'm sorry. And you've got to go through life that way. And Paul says it's time for you to stop living in 613 commandments because God has set you free. You're not beholden to 613 commandments. We, challenge, or we are challenged to, to walk and keep in step with the Spirit of God. The Jew is living in what you and I would call bondage at best, trying to keep those commandments until such a time that the law confronts him and says you're a sinner in need of the grace of God. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and sets you free from the sin that you committed, but free from the need to continue to commit sin. You don't have to keep doing it. And you and I are called to keep in step with the Spirit, the person of God. He's leading us. He's walking with us. He's talking to us. 
And that walking and talking is what relationship's about. It's what surrendering to God is all about. And it's in the moments. And tonight is the culmination of a moment. We celebrate the how that we got here. And what it really meant was it was just a moment in time. But I want you to grab a hold of this and write it down in your heart because a moment in a life becomes a lifetime of moments. A moment in your life, a decision that you make, a direction that you turn, a thought that you make, a belief that you make, a life action turns into a whole life of moments that continues to do that very thing. A long time ago, when I think about how I'm standing here and what was going on, I'm reminded of vineyard memories. I got to share with you what did I think about a vineyard memory. It was uh, nine and a half years ago that at the bottom of the ramp I was standing with my son on, on my, uh, my grandson on my shoulders. We saw that picture. But it was last week in that moment that I had my daughter standing on this stage sharing the Word of God with us. And that was a powerful moment. And it reminded me of a life moment. And then it reminded me of another life moment. And somebody walked up to me and said, you know what? You could die and your wife could take, I mean, your daughter could take this church over. Do you understand that? <laughs> I chose to believe that what they were trying to say was, my wife and I had done a very good job with her. <laughs> there are those that would say, no, it's time for you to go. <laughs> She can handle it. She's proven that. But you know, there was an actual time in my life when I thought that women needed to make potlucks, children, quilts, but not sermons. Come on. There was a time in my life when I believed that the responsibility of women in the Christian community was to make potlucks, to make quilts, to make children, we made five, to make children, <laughs> but not to make sermons. Because there was a moment in time when my life needed to change. And it's those moments that I've laid my hands on. There was a moment in time when I read Paul's words, when I was trying to defend that thought that women should make potlucks, children, and quilts. And Paul told Timothy, for Adam was formed first, and then Eve, and Adam was not the one that was deceived, and the woman was deceived and became a sinner, but women will be saved through childbearing. There was a time a moment in my life where I looked at that scripture and I said that's the Holy Bible and it's not true or or before you start throwing rocks and running out the back door or there's something that I don't understand here because I know that you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone and so I began to say, I need to study this, and i got to get into the Word. And before I was a preacher, I had to get into the Word. And it was the Word that led me. What does the Word say about what the Word says? And so you study that, and suddenly you realize that there are moments that begin to, to, in your life that begin to define your future. And they are appointments from God. Best of all my tomorrow starts with one yes. That's it right there. The best of all my tomorrow starts with one yes. You see, there was a moment when I was in a jailhouse in Madrid, Spain. I was all of about 11 years old. I'd stole some pigeons. I couldn't speak a lick of Spanish, so we had an interpreter. 
I lied to my mother up one side and down the other. But don't worry, it was the night of my first Holy Communion, so I was going to be covered in a minute. <laughs> but it was a, a night when I began to say, I need to make a choice. Do I believe that there is a God in heaven? And what is that going to mean for me to live? And then there was a choice at 17 to say yes. There was a moment that began to put me through the ante room and head me toward the room that I wanted to be in. I said yes to God and no to hell, later learning that it wasn't about escaping hell, but being in love with the king of the universe. There was a time that I said yes to church membership, to baptism, although it was the second time I'd been baptized, because the first time it was as an infant and it wasn't based on my choice. It was based on somebody else's that thought that that at least kept me from going to hell when I died. And that's not the purpose of baptism. There was a time that I decided it was important to follow the leaders of the church that I got baptized in. There was a time, a moment, just a second, that I chose that reading my Bible to understand what it says about what it says was important. There was a time that I began to say yes to an invitation to be a Sunday school teacher, saying yes to become the youth leader at church with my wife, saying yes to bringing a Sunday evening program message that was my first ever sermon, and, and if those people had not been graceful, should have been my last. <laughs> with all due respect. There was a time saying yes, coming away from doing construction for myself and being an employee and going to Bible college for two years. There was a time, a moment of saying yes to a pastor in western Oklahoma for 10 years. There was a time of saying yes to God when he said, come, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men in Kentucky, trusting that regardless of what happened, because I did not have a job, God would, in fact, take care of me. And we moved everybody, lock, stock, and barrel, to Kentucky. It was a time of saying yes to God when through um, God when through Kevin Clark and Jimmy Fields, he said it was time to separate from my friend that I was with here and time to follow his lead in planting a church called Vineyard. There was a time of saying yes to all the pain, to all the confusion, all the incredible blessing that have been ours since we poured into people. I will remember meetings in my home. I will remember discussions about polity and how we should do things. I will remember the presence of God saying this is the mission and I will remember God saying do not turn to the left and do not turn to the light to the right it doesn't matter how many people say come or how many people say we're leaving you keep going straight on and you don't unfocus from the mission and people will get saved in a garden of roses there have certainly been thorns and hurtful times but God is faithful and kept saying come follow me still and all of this started with a desire to move from the ante room into the big room, to go from the children's table at Thanksgiving to the big people's table with just a yes to God. It all started right there. Thank goodness we didn't do this all by ourselves. This is not Pastor Janice and I. This is every person that shouldered a burden and walked in the Spirit of God with us that made this happen. God did it, and he used all of the moments that you've been involved in that brought you here tonight. I just shared with you all the moments in my life, not all of them, the significant ones that brought me to this piece right here where I'm standing in front of you, all the yeses that I gave to God. And I don't know that you have ever stopped and said, how many yeses did I give to God that brought me to a chair in this room to listen to this nut job and believe that God wanted to say something to me tonight? You don't have to be in this church very long before you know that I'm going to tell you 
that God wants to use you in these next 10 years should he tarry. You don't have to be here very long till I'm going to share with you Psalm 139. And I'm going to say, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. My eyes saw, excuse me, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written down in your book before one of them came to be. And he goes on to say, how precious uh, to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast the sum of them. You're not here by accident tonight. And as much as you think you wanted to come in here and celebrate with us and remember, God has a message for you that it is time for you to move from the ante room into the big room. It is time for you to make a decision. It is time for you to stop being outside when you know you're not inside, but somehow you feel comfortable because ante rooms are very often heated and cooled. So that when you come in from outside, you feel comfortable, and we get comfortable in the ante room, but all we can do in the ante room is see what's going on inside the big room. And I'm just going to tell you right now, Joe Wood is not interested in watching. Joe Wood is all in. I want in the big room. And that's where God has led us. When you read Psalm 139, you know that God is not dictated every day, but rather God is omniscient and he knows every choice you're going to make. Therefore, you can trust him. And he did whatever he could in your life through the circumstances, good and bad, to bring you into this room tonight so that you can hear this word because God loves you and he's not done with you and he's not done with me and I'm not throwing in the towel it's not happening you have a purpose in Christ because he created you personally intentionally and listen to me very specifically knit you together you say well I don't like my shape I don't like my age I don't like this hip thing that I got going on. I don't like this listen to me take it up with the Creator I'm just saying that's a conversation you got to have with him and you tell him he didn't do good <laughs> because I'm here with you we're healthy we've been fed we control the temperature in this room we are rich what do we have to complain about when God loves us this much do you think that God made a mistake or do you think God is waiting in this moment for your yes so you approach it and you say Lord I need this and I need this and I need this and God is sitting will you come and follow me and he's just waiting for you to say yes and you're saying but I said yes did you did, does your life reflect did you say yes to God or did you say yes to not going to hell and did you say yes to getting baptized? Has God gotten your yes to go over and lay hands on somebody and pray for them? Has God gotten your yes to fall down and repent? Has God gotten your yes to take the blessing that Christ wrought for you on Calvary and own it as your own? You are children of the King. Have you said yes to God? In that Psalm 139, you have a purpose in Christ, and you've got to decide whether or not you think he made a mistake or whether he knit you together. But you also need to understand that in, in, this, in this company you have, you have a family. 
you have a tribe. And as much as the kingdom of God and the church of Jesus Christ is defined as a family, family doesn't leave family. That's how you know who family is. Family doesn't leave family. We will be here for you. I have seen such an outpouring of your love and your compassion for my family. We sit with James and we bawl and cry. We give away the food that you send to us, not because it's not good, but because we cannot eat that much food <laughs> in a waiting room. I have watched your worship leader and one of your small group leaders from the, the women's side of this church run around a waiting room and give God their best yes and say, our church has overwhelmed us. Can we please feed you? And I have been astonished that they have done it. And it's been amazing to watch because in that moment, they gave God their yes. And that's what it means to have a family. And that scripture says you have a place. You don't attend. You don't attend church. You are the church. The smallest cog in the biggest clock stops the whole thing. It doesn't have to be the face or the hands or the, the pendulum. If you're a cog, be the best cog you can be. But I promise you, God has created you to be a 10 at something until he comes back. 2,000 years ago, Paul told the church in Corinth, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We will not all die. But we will all be changed. You don't have a choice. You will be. And when God says you will be, it will be so. You will be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye. In that moment, in that instant yes, at the last trumpet even. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must put um, clothing on itself with the, excuse me, must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality. And I'm just telling you that there's coming a moment. There's coming a twinkling in the eye when all of these instant decisions that, that you've made for God to give him your best yes, you're going to see them come to fruition. And if I'm wrong, I'm 2,000 years more right than Paul was. And I don't care to tell him that when I see him. The Lord will need to humble me before I get to heaven. There is no doubt in my mind whatsoever. But this moment is coming. We may or may not see it happen, but it's unfolding, and our love has got to grow to meet the darkness that's trying to stop it. It has to. The next 10 years is going to begin tomorrow morning when that man right there that leads me as I lead you, Bill Stroud, is going to share the message with us about the vineyard. And our next 10 years, should God tarry, is going to start tomorrow, and we're going to go. And right now, believe it or not, in October, some of us are going to Africa, the continent, specifically Zimbabwe, the country, with the Vineyard Partnership to see if that's where God wants us to serve globally, because it's time for us to get a global focus that connects with our local 
focus. And it is time for us to do that. God is asking us to plug in with this partnership. So Pastor Janice, myself, and a board, num- a board member named Bruce Withers is going with us. We're taking in because that's an attempt to keep me accountable for what's going on, and I want to hear what the Lord is saying through our board as well, through our financial advisory board. We are visiting the staff needs of this church, and it would appear that we need another employee or two. Please pray. We're heading forward. It is time for us to step up what God is asking of us and to give our first 10%, not our last 10% of leftovers. It is time to step it up. We're stepping up our outreach game, and you have done an admirable, if not an incredible job by bringing shoes to children that didn't have it, by serving children that are coming back to school, by bringing backpacks to children that are given garbage bags. We can put an end to some of this stuff. Garbage and bags should not be associated with our children in America and certainly not in Madison County where we can make a difference. We're still doing it. Bring your suitcase. Other than staff, outreach will continue, if I can push it, to be the biggest budget item that this church has. Get outside the building. We're here to celebrate so that we can get outside the building. The board is meeting with the powers that be that own this mall, and we're going to pennies. I don't know when, but it is time for it to happen pray for the board as they meet with the owners because I'm done here. I love this place. I will do it. I will stay if that's what God is saying. But that's mountain. That's our mountain over there. And when you worship on that mountain, you will know that it is the Lord who told me to lead you to that place. And it is God who is taking us. We are all, we are all get out of the ante room. We are all going to need to use our gifts, our monies, our time, and our energies to raise godly children, to reach our friends and our neighbors for Christ, but to change the world. And we're not going to let up. So what I want to know tonight is does God get your best yes? What keeps you in the ante room? What keeps you from praying? What keeps you from not stepping over here and being moved by the Holy Spirit of God? What keeps you from praying for that person over there that you keep thinking about? Not the one you want to date, the one that for some reason is on your mind. What keep fear? But he's not given us a spirit of fear. But power, love, and a sound mind. Why? What do we have to fear? What? Is it time for you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and stop playing games? Is it time for you because you surrender to the Lord, but it's been so long that you're almost embarrassed to get baptized, but it, it, it needs to happen? Is, is that your move from the ante room? Is it time for you to share your gift 
here or out there or over there? Are you being called and it's time for you to develop your gift in this place? Is it time? Tonight is the culmination of you arriving at VCCR and coming to this moment. And I'll just be honest, every time one of you walks in the door and shakes my hand, as you walk away, I say, Lord, why do I know this person? I do. Why do I know you? Is their gift the one that we need to plug in? If you're here, it's because we have something you need, but it's also because you have something we need. And part of that comes from saying, I want to follow this vision. Tonight is a defining moment. God loves you. He knit you together like a granny square. You know what a granny square is? Yeah? Some of you are like, what? No. My granny made quilts out of granny squares. She always had a box of granny squares that she knitted together right outside of her womb on her lap. But she knitted the squares together and then she knitted the squares to the squares to make a quilt that's called a granny quilt. You have been knitted together like your granny's granny squares. It's time for you to be connected to the quilt. It's time to stop fighting the quilt. Don't fight the quilt. It's time for you to join the quilt. Can you grab a hold of that? God forgives you. God says you can leave your life of sin behind anytime you want to. He will be your power and your authority if you'll let Him. God wants to fill you up with His Holy Spirit. But it's time for us to stop being cynical and just say, you know what? I can't control God. I may or may not understand or believe, but it's not going to stop me from giving my God my best yes. What about that?